what she was just sharing, we are in the middle of Missions Month. And in uh, last two weeks, we started just speaking on the topic of what is, what is culture and what does it look like to contextualize our culture and contextualize in our culture and contextualize the gospel. And these next three weeks, I'm really, really, really excited, especially as we have Jackie here with us uh, this morning. But we have Jackie here uh, today and the next week of Jessica Leung. Uh, she's back from OMF to share about her uh, missions work there. And also at the end of the, end of the month, we have uh, Reverend Sam, Samuel Lee from Lord's Grace uh, sharing about his uh, heart for missions and some of the initiatives uh, in the city. So I, I, as I was saying, have I said excited enough uh, already? I'm excited to have Jackie to come. I'm a little intro uh, for her. Uh, she's born and raised in Vancouver, and I found out she's a fellow geography major. So um, yeah, there's not many of us uh, in the city. So a uh, fellow geography major from UBC, but she's currently attending and lifelong at Fraserlands, uh, Fraserlands Church. Uh, she started, uh, were you part of the co-founding team? I think of uh, Edupavi, yeah, yeah, yeah. So co-founding team for Edupavi, which is a ministry that we just start supporting this year. So, which is why we're especially invested and interested in hearing about the ministries and excited for what she's about to share. She's been there for three years, and that's when the ministry started. And she's been working there ever since uh, as the development manager, I believe. And her first time down to Guatemala, and a few of us in our church have been down in Guatemala, but. Uh, she'll share a little bit more about her ministry there, but she's down there, the uh, first time was 2011, and she's been back a few times, uh, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> and a little fun fact, in March 2020, she last time, uh, that time when she went down, she got stuck uh, down there where she had to sneak across the border, um, crossing Mexico and Guatemala, the border between Mexico and Guatemala, so by foot alone, with no cell phone or cash, so I'm sure she'll share more about what that experience was like. So let's give a very warm LFC welcome uh, to Jackie Wong. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. Okay, totes working. <laughs> Hello, Lord's Love Church. It is such a blessing to be with you this morning. I have to confess, I am not used to being a guest speaker at churches. So if this all goes horribly wrong. You can blame Pastor Doug for trusting me with a full sermon slot. Um, but as previously mentioned, my name is Jackie. I am the development manager of Edupavi Canada. Unfortunately, I actually um, don't have time to share the border crossing story, but if you're interested, I can talk to you afterwards. Um, it was definitely, God looked after me and I made it back. That's the long story short. Um, before I say anything else, I wanted to extend a huge thank you on behalf of our small team for walking alongside us. Um, it means so, so much to us to have the prayers and support of this church family um, lifting us up as we navigate this often challenging journey. Um, I'm honored to be able to share a little bit about my story and about the mission field that God has called me to. Uh, I hope that this gives you a little better of an idea of what we do and who we are and that you can be excited and encouraged by this little glimpse into what God is doing in this particular corner of his kingdom. Um, before I get into all of it, though, let me start with a word of prayer. Father, it is such a blessing to be able to be here in your presence today, and um, we thank you for being a God who just continuously meets with us um, right where we are, and it doesn't matter how we come to you that you are there receiving us. So we thank you for your goodness and for the way that you call us, even though we forget to listen. Um, yeah, just would your name be glorified through the stories that you've given me to share this morning. In your 
God's most precious name, I pray. Amen. Okay, so <clears throat> I was asked to share about Edupavi, but also what got me into ministry and why I feel called to this particular mission field right now. So I have titled this message, <laughs> Letting God Ruin Your Life. Because if there's anything you can take away from today, it's I learned that you have to be really, really careful when telling God that you want him to lead your life. And because he will, uh, he will build your life, even if it doesn't include all the plans of greatness or security that you had for yourself. But it will be so much better. When I was 14, I heard that my church, Praise Wyoming Church, was sending a teen's short-term mission down to Guatemala. And even though I had no idea what that would entail, um, I told my pastor and my parents that I was going. Uh, truthfully, I went for all of the wrong reasons. I was under the impression that my participation in this two-week trip would be life-changing for both me and the people that I was going to help. And also, my friends were going, and that was a huge bonus. So, in July 2011, I arrived in Guatemala for the first time. So, for those of you who don't know, Guatemala is a Mayan country right below Mexico, and it is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful country full of color and traditional culture and amazing food, and they have 25 official languages, including Spanish as their main one and many indigenous languages. Um, our team headed to this place called the Oasis, which was, and still is, uh, a refuge home for girls aged 5 to 18 that had been sexually abused. What I didn't know was that this would be my first of eight years returning to the Oasis. That is a super embarrassing photo of me from 2011. Um, but uh, I went back a couple of times with short-term mission teams in the following years, and then when I got to university, I ditched the teams and I started to do internships by myself with them over the summer. And while the jury is still out on whether I managed to change anyone's life in all of my time there, I spent a lot of time distracting the girls and roasting them, and then they were supposed to be doing homework that I was supposed to be helping them with, and it was just bad. But um, I can say without a doubt that God used the Oasis to change mine. It was during my time there that I learned what it was like to fall in love with God, with being in his presence, um, with depending on him for tangible things, with the way that I could see him move actively in the lives of those around me. I became close with a lot of the girls and the staff who I still keep in contact with now, and they humbled me with how much more that they honored God on a daily basis than I did. I learned what it looked like to serve in humility rather than for attention, and I learned that following God's call to kingdom work would require a lot more sacrifice than I thought. I also learned a little bit of Spanish and a lot of Guatemalan slang. My time there was so impactful, and I was building such deep relationships with the missionaries and the girls there that I thought, well, for sure God wants me to come here. God is calling me to move to Guatemala. It all makes sense now. I have a purpose. And looking back, I think a lot of that was rooted in my desire to be great um, rather than to serve. Because how cool and impressive that would be to both my church community and to God. But unfortunately, and fortunately for me, God continued to gently invite me to participate in the story that he wanted to tell. So while the internships were going on, the Fraser Lines team switched its missions field from the Oasis to this small town called Zaragoza, which is uh, on the south end of Guatemala. 
where a local Guatemalan organization called Educando para la Vida was providing education support to families living in extreme poverty. So I would do my internship for a month or so, and then the Fraser Lines team would come, uh, pick me up from the Oasis, and then we would head over to Zaragoza. Our first introduction to Educando para la Vida was in 2014, uh, when we met their small but dedicated team that was faithfully serving their community for sometimes six days a week for almost no pay. So at the time, I think the highest paid uh, staff member was getting about $2.40 an hour. I never would have guessed that these people, who I honestly was a little bit scared of at first, um, would become like family to me and show me by example what it means, what it looks like to live missionally. They remain my inspirations and mentors to this day. They graciously welcomed us into their community and we got to see firsthand the devastating effects that desperation was having on families and individuals as structural inequality stripped them of options and sometimes hope. I think being at Oasis for so long where every girl there was only, was only there because of the result of the worst possible circumstance, you can't help but become a little numb, I think, to the realities of where they come from. And things like poverty and abuse in Guatemalan culture can unfortunately almost become normalized. But in Zaragoza, we had the privilege of being invited into the homes of um, many real women who told us their stories and reminded us that each person being affected by this cycle of disadvantage was a person that God loved, that had a sense of humor, that wanted to provide the best for their families. We kept seeing family after family follow the same pattern. So the children would drop out of primary school to participate in child labor to help provide family income. Then as they grew up, they realized that they had very few options and would become vulnerable to exploitative employers, gang involvement, substance abuse, and early relationships as a way to belong somewhere. Girls would get pregnant very young, often in their teens, and start families with boys who would often deal with their feelings of inadequacy to, to provide for their families with alcoholism, abuse, and absence. Then as these uneducated women struggled to provide for their children by working multiple jobs, they would be unable to support their children's education and then their children would drop out. So up until that point, I was wrestling with God as I began to get the sense that despite all the years returning to the Oasis and getting increasingly invested, um, maybe he wasn't calling me to go there long term after all. But why would God ever say no to something so obviously for his kingdom? And what was the point of all this buildup? And why did he call me back again and again if it wasn't to follow that through? I even chose my degree based on the assumption that I would be working at some place like the Oasis. So Without this obvious sense of purpose, I was left floundering. But seeing in context, in person, um, the context from which my girls at the Oasis came from made me realize that while refuge homes like the Oasis were doing amazing, amazing work dealing with the aftermath of abuse, maybe God was tugging at my heart to not focus on the Band-Aid, but rather on his mission to prevent the injury in the first place. I finally began to let God take my dream of working at the Oasis and replace it with an openness to serve in the way that he wanted me to. Back home, Pastor Lawrence, uh, my friend Melanie and myself decided to try and register an official Canadian charity in order to partner with Educando para la Vida in the long term. We somewhat unwisely named it Edupavi. Uh, <laughs> it, it was our nickname for Educando, so Educando para la Vida is Edupavi. 
Okay, yeah, and not understanding how many times we'd have to explain it and spell it out for people in the future. We began to discover how hard it was to register a charity in Canada while having to prove that you were not, in fact, trying to set up a money laundering scheme in Guatemala. However, the rejections and subsequent delay of EduPavi's existence turned out to be part of God's perfect plan. So during my fourth year at UBC, instead of starting a charity, I unintentionally stumbled into a co-op position at the Canadian Cancer Society, where I was exposed to the inner workings of the professional nonprofit industry and gained invaluable experience working uh, very hands-on in a high-functioning charity. I somehow created, managed to create a good impression, even though I was very not subtle about the fact that I was there to get the free uh, company expense lunches, and they asked me back the next year. In my last term of school, they offered me a permanent position, which is every Bachelor of Arts dream, especially geography majors, where there's not a lot of options after school. Um, but at the time, we were waiting to see if EduPavi would survive its third application and finally become a registered charity. And if so, I would, become, I would begin my position as development manager of this nonprofit that did not yet exist. So with one last look at God to make sure that he was sure, I turned down the Canadian cancer position and I graduated unemployed. We heard nothing for six months. And I will admit that while I felt peace that God was calling me to trust him, those were six very, very angsty months. Finally, on November 6, 2019, EduPavi, oh, that's me at the Canadian Cancer Society. Uh, November 6, 2019, EduPavi became a registered charity and we hit the ground running. And then COVID hit and the running became a lot harder than expected. And as you can imagine, it wasn't easy trying to convince people here to partner with us in this mission to dignify the lives of children in Guatemala through education when everyone's businesses here were shutting down. I was also learning how taxing it could be to fundraise your own salary and build a support team from scratch, things that I did not learn in geography at UBC. It's always a big old slice of humble pie when people ask you what you've been doing since grad and your peers are comparing work benefits while you're stealing your sister's Spotify password to cut down on costs. Meanwhile, in Guatemala, Educando Parlavida told us that they had about three months before they would have to shut down uh, due to their lost sources of income because of quarantine. That combined with the fact that they were all trying to figure out how, that we were all trying to figure out how to run a charity for the first time made for a very interesting first year. But. The great thing about being at an absolute loss of what to do is that you can really lean on the fact that his power is made perfect in weakness. Like you can really hold that Bible verse to the sky and remind God that he promised that. Um, and he provided. Like always, there was a purpose in his story oh. uh, and timing. If we had been approved when I was in university, I would not have been able to do the full-time job needed to establish this organization well. And he not only created EduPavi just in time to provide the funds needed to keep EduCondo alive, he used our teams to provide additional support to families who needed it during the pandemic. So before the pandemic, education statistics in Guatemala were already really, really horrible. Uh, the primary dropout rate was already three out of every five children. And the quality of learning was not good. So of the children who would make it to the sixth grade, only 40% of those kids could read at a national standard. So when the pandemic hit, the government shut down all schools from March 2020 until March of this year, completely. And obviously that 
made the dropout rate skyrocket. For those of you who had to um, struggle through online school with your kids, you can imagine how difficult it was for children in Guatemala to choose school over work uh, when they didn't have teachers offering adequate online learning, let alone a laptop or access to Wi-Fi. But through God's provision and the faithfulness of many supporters here, we were able to keep about 100 children from abandoning their education and even saw many of our students graduate from sixth grade. So this is how I ended up here, now closing in on the end of our third year of Educavi. It's still not really fully feeling in control of anything, but constantly learning how to let God lead the way. Um, every event so far has been a stunning display of my inadequacy, and it caused me to coin the phrase edupanic, um, but God has shown up every single time to fill in the gaps. We haven't been able to reach all of our dreams for this organization yet, but I am in awe of what God has put into print so far. Um, through our passion to inspire others through this mission, our team of three people grew into a community of over 350 monthly sponsors, board members, ambassadors, corporate partners, student leaders, uh, prayer partners, and financial supporters. Our program right now uh, serves about 100 children from about 65 families from Zaragoza and its surrounding rural communities. We are constantly adapting our program to best fit the needs of the community, and right now we have four main areas that we're focusing on. So the first and main focus is our in-person classes that we offer for children in grades one through six. They come in about once a week, in addition to their part-time attendance in public school, which is quite substandard in quality. Uh, for classes in math, language, English, art, computer, PE, and physical worldview. We provide them with school supplies and we have an amazing, amazing team of teachers that pour their heart and soul into making the lessons fun and meeting the children where they're at in their learning process. When they come in, they also have access to a hot meal and we have a professional counselor who also monitors the educational and emotional well-being of the children who might need it. The second focus is our home learning resources for the children to continue their studies when they're not in class. Um, so we have what we call a virtual campus where the students can access learning materials online if they can. And for the many students who don't have access to Wi-Fi or electronics, we developed our own certified curriculum that is printed for the children to be able to take home. The third focus we have is our women's program. Um, that's one that's really close to my heart. The focus here is to support the mothers that bear the burden of supporting their children's educational needs while taking care of the family at home and earning enough income to support their family. Um, it's quite common there for the, the women to be the main breadwinners of the family. We have parent workshops um, and a small micro-business program where mothers can apply for resources and support for their own, to start their own businesses. And we've also recently opened an in-house bakery to run our program called EduPan. So pan in Spanish means bread. Um, sounds better in Spanish. Uh, where the mothers can come in and learn recipes for baked goods that they can go then go home and sell. The baked goods from EduPan are also used to feed our students and to sell to the community as a source of self-sustainable income. And our fourth focus is on creative project and community support. So this covers a variety of services and projects that we have implemented in response to the needs of the community, especially during COVID, um, such as our Seeds of Hope program. Um, that was started as a response to food insecurity caused by job loss during COVID. 
Um, families were offered the resources and training needed to start cultivating food gardens in their homes, uh, which resulted in increased resilience and food security while also providing a joint project that brought a lot of families together in a time where a lot of them were fighting because they were home so much together. Some families grew so much food that they were able to share their excess produce with their communities as well. Um, we also offer um, an affordable medical clinic and purified water center, as well as an internet cafe. And we also gave each of our students an egg-laying hen this year. Um, full disclosure, that was not my decision, but I was informed that we gave all of our students a chicken this year. So they were able to take them home, and they actually were really excited. They gave them names, and um, what's more, the, it gives the children a way to feel like they're providing for their families. And so every day the kids can um, say, like, look, Mom, I have an egg for us to eat. So as you can see, we've got a lot going on here, and it takes a lot of effort on the part of our staff and our volunteers. But even in the short time that we've been able to take part in this story, we've been able to see God move so tangibly and impactfully in the lives of our students. During our first visit to Zaragoza in 2014, we met a girl named Dorcas, who was in the first grade and her first year at Educando. She was wildly, wildly energetic and too smart to be tricked by our teasing. She lived with her two older brothers and her mom in a sheet metal shelter. Her father was absent and struggled with alcohol alcoholism and would only come back to steal or take his anger out on the mom. Her mother worked multiple jobs like cleaning houses or working at a butcher shop to make ends meet, but these costs were constantly increased to attend to Dorcas's brother, Roman, who had special needs and a medical condition that caused his bones to break easily. So over the years, we've been able to walk alongside Dorcas and her family, uh, helping them build a house and making sure that they had everything they needed to stay in school and live a dignified life. In October of 2020, Dorcas defied the odds and graduated primary school at the top of her class. She is now part of the less than 40% of children in Guatemala who has enrolled in middle school. This past May, um, a few board members and I were able to return to Zaragoza, and we were invited to hear the stories of some of the new families that have joined our program, including a woman named Sandra. Uh, instead of trying to relay her story, Doug, we, uh, I'm going to try and let her tell it. So I have a video. I'm not sure if that's possible to play. Yo me llamo Victoria Sena. Yo tengo siete años. Mi clase favorita es comunicación y línea. Cuando yo crezca, quiero ser cocinera. Llamo Milena. Tengo dos, dos nueve. Y yo le hice maestra. Yo estudié solo la primaria, entonces solo llegué a sexto primaria y de ahí ya no seguí estudiando. Empecé así a, a trabajar con mis papás y todo. De ahí yo me junté con una persona, entonces ese, él es el papá de, de mi primera nena. Pero de ahí él me abandonó, se fue a otro país y entonces yo me quedé con él. De ahí llegó otra persona y, y me dijo que quería ser formar una familia conmigo y ya no, 
y ya no quiso estar otra vez conmigo y fue cuando me abandonó con mis dos hijas y desde ahí he estado sola, más que todo siempre sola he estado yo siempre he luchado con mis hijas antes yo sí trabajaba, yo trabajaba en el campo pero desde que hace, hace el año pasado que yo entré a educando, pues ellos me, ellos me, 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 me animaron y me apoyaron en diferentes formas. Entonces yo logré tener un pequeño negocio, pues que ahora yo ahora vendo tortillas. Me ha sorprendido bastante por todo lo que ellos han ayudado. ¿va? Y porque más que todo cuando yo más antes... Sentía no poder con las cosas Entonces conociendo a Educando Yo sentí que me dieron un apoyo grande Donde ellos me animaban Me decían que yo siguiera adelante Para salir con mis niñas Y entonces a mí me ha gustado bastante participar ahí Y siempre me ha gustado cada vez que me dicen que Yo tengo que ir yo Miro de dónde, cómo le hago para hacer tiempo e irme Estoy feliz de, de, de pertenecer a ese grupo. Ajá. Esto es una realidad que está sucediendo en muchas familias y casos muy diferentes. Y estamos, uh, nos sentimos muchas veces incapaces de poder ayudar y suplir toda la, la necesidad. Pero eso es lo que queremos ser un apoyo, una figura de familia eh, y traer esperanza y vida para las familias. Mi sueño para ellas es que ellas sean unas mujeres de bien, que estudien y que sean grandes, grandes mujeres y que sean profesionales. Eso quiero para mis hijas. Por eso estoy luchando por eso. Thank you so much. So knowing these people personally uh, reminds us that behind these statistics of poverty are real people that are capable and worthy of hope for a better future. The girls I got to know and love and walk beside from the Oasis all have their own very different personalities, talents, insecurities, and ideals for their university majors. But they were children of parents who struggled through the same cycle of disadvantage that affects our students in Zaragoza. And so they have to work twice as hard to, to prove that their identity lies in something greater than being poor kids in Guatemala. Everything we do is driven by our desire to ensure that the upcoming generations know their value and right to a dignified life as children of a loving father and are inspired to become agents of change in their own communities. If you have time this week, here are some things that you can help us pray for. So the first is perseverance for the students, families, and staff in Guatemala. 
So even though the program exists, it takes a great deal of sacrifice, motivation, and perseverance on the part of our students and our staff to continue to participate. And it's often easy to become discouraged when extenuating barriers to education, such as increased financial pressure, begin to build up. So please pray that the mothers continue to prioritize their children's education and that our staff would be filled with the Spirit's strength and joy as they continue to serve. The second thing you can pray for is the future of EDUCAVI. So our executive teams in both Vancouver and Guatemala are continuously meeting to prayerfully discern the ways in which God is calling us to grow. One of the reasons why I love working in this mission field so much is that is because we are partnering with local Guatemalans who know the heart and needs of their communities. So we're not just coming in and telling them um, what they need. One dream that God has put on both of our hearts is the expansion of our program to include middle and high school education. We don't have the resources yet, but there is a huge need to continue walking alongside our students after they graduate grade six. Pray that we would be able to raise enough support and that God would call the right team members to oversee the school as well. And lastly, you can pray for our team here in Vancouver, that God would continue to guide the development of our young organization and that he would use us efficiently to inspire others to take part in his mission. We're also praying for the eventual growth of our staff, so please pray that God calls the right person to join our team. Thank you for your prayers. They are appreciated more than you know. Every time I get the chance to share about Edupavi, I am reminded how lucky I am to have such a clear line of sight into God's vision of Shalom. Um, so Shalom in this context, if you're not familiar, is um, it means a state of completeness or wholeness in God's kingdom. Theologian Ray Bakke describes Shalom on earth as both the personal salvation of all people and the social transformation of all places. So I decided very early on that I wanted to connect my daily work with God's kingdom work because selfishly it just seemed more exciting and I wanted to watch him move. So far, God has brought me here to work through Edupavi and I have fallen in love with the opportunity to invite other people to take part in God's mission. When I share my story, I always, always emphasize that you definitely do not need to go to another country to see and participate in God's mission to restore his kingdom. Um, I just so happened to be not very observant, so he needed me to really, needed to shock my system and make it very obvious in order to get me to see and listen. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm thankful for Guatemala because through it, God showed me what it was like to live missionally in whatever context I live in. To remember that there is a battle going on way beyond our day-to-day -day concerns. That God is in the process of telling the most beautiful story of restoration in his kingdom to perfect shalom here on earth. And it's a kingdom where all creation sings of his majesty and brokenness is healed in his name. And that he invites all of us to be a part of it, not just some of us, um, if we want to. Whether that's through our vocation, uh, through the stewardship of resources, through intentional time that you give to others in service, or even through the way we invite others to experience living in the fullness of God's love. As Jesus, the Prince of Shalom, reconciled and made whole our relationship with the Father, he calls us to participate in his life of taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness. So living missionally doesn't mean that you have to drop everything and start a charity or move to a different country, although if God calls you to, I highly recommend it because it's real fun. But it does require intentionality in the way that you remember God's higher calling in your everyday life. Here, 
are a couple of questions that God has used to help me check in with him every once in a while. And I want to challenge you to give them a think. So the first one is, when was the last time I asked God to truly align my heart and priorities to his? The second is, do I live my life as an expression of God's vision of shalom? I still have to ask myself these questions over and over again. One night during one of the internships at the Oasis, I was reading the Thessalonians in a cloud of angst, trying to ask God how he wanted me to serve his kingdom. And he gave me the words to pray through 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 to 12. It reads, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I gave him full control of my life that night with open hands, not really out of admirable faith, but more so from an understanding that there was no plan that I could make for myself that would be better or more fulfilling than the one that he was about to lay out for me if I let him. I wanted him to make me worthy of his calling, and I wanted me, him to be the one to bring my desires to fruition. And above all, I wanted my deeds to bring glory to his name. Even though I'm not making my way up through impressive global organizations or wowing aunties at church with my career accomplishments like I thought I would at this point in my life, I have felt God lift me through moments of inadequacy and literally perform miracles in front of me time and time again. And I'm constantly reminded how freeing and fulfilling it is to let God be the one who moves. He is active, he is passionate, he is real, and he is good. I hope that my sharing encourages you to let God ruin your life a little bit because he honors your acts of faith and it's pretty awesome to experience. Let's pray. Father, who are we that you would call us to be a part of your story? We are so in love with you and the way that you tell your story and that you weave things together that we cannot even imagine. And God, may you make us worthy of your calling. May you be the name that uh, is glorified through everything that we do. And would you encourage every single person here um, to look back to you and, um, yeah, just check in with you and um, be called to be part of your story. We thank you for this time and for everything that you do for us and how you love us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.